Romans 13 has come up a lot uh, during the Trump administration to uh, to try to tamp down some of the criticisms of the president and the president's the former president's administration uh, by by some Christians towards other Christians who criticized him. Does Romans 13 say that you um, you can't criticize a, a president? Um, let's look at it. Paula read it so well. Uh, Paul is writing to Roman Christians. They're living under the Roman emperor Nero, most likely at this time. There may be some other options there uh, for other emperors, depending on what time Romans, the epistle to the Romans is written. But it's all the Roman emperors were, were fairly the same when it came to doing terrible things to people. They all had um, greater or lesser degrees of awfulness, but every single one of them, you could... Uh, very quickly turn to a short Roman history book and find um, numerous groups of prisoners that they killed, um, captured in war, the amount of people they enslaved along the way, and all the other uh, debauchery and atrocities that only Caesars uh, can commit on a grand scale. The Roman Empire uh, was such an expansionist empire during Paul's day um, what they were doing was they were conquering new territories, putting them under the subjection of Rome, taxing them, not too much, just enough where they could get revenue flowing back into the city of Rome. And the families in Rome got richer and richer and richer. The soldiers got richer if they didn't die in the battles. And the people that they conquered got poorer and poorer. Um, this was how Rome worked. As one Roman conquered, uh, he was a, a barbarian conquered by the Romans um, in Great Britain, said, the Romans make a desolation, and they call it peace. The Pax Romana was a time of uh, great expansionist energy by the Roman army military all over the world. And so when Paul's writing this, he's, at the, he's writing at the height of this expansion. Um, every time Rome, every spring, Rome would go out and fight. They would campaign. They would try to conquer new territory, or they would put down any kind of hints of a rebellion. There were very few rebellions happening at this time. Um, this was sort of the height of Rome's power when they didn't have a lot of people uh, over, trying to overthrow them. They, they just couldn't. The, the Roman army was just too good, and your, arm, your rebellion would fail quickly. But um, every time Rome would go in a spring campaign, the prices of the slave economy, the slave markets of Rome and the surrounding regions, the prices would drop precipitously as the market would be flooded with new enslaved people. This was the cruelty of Rome that would be visible by anyone walking down the streets of Rome, this kind of uh, slavery, cruelty, militarism, pretty much everything bad in a government. Um, they did have good roads, and they had good water supply systems. Um, these are the, the benefits of this kind of expansionist empire. You get stuff from it. Um, and so Rome was a very prosperous place, but also a place where the kind of injustice that we witness, uh, sometimes from our police officers towards enslaved people um, in Rome, it would have been uh, crucifixion for slaves as a punishment for even theft or anything like that. If a slave, um, enslaved person, uh, killed their master, 
or assaulted their master or master's family, every enslaved person in the household would be killed. If a slave escaped, um, you know, everyone would be punished. Uh, so the kind of cruelty that Paul's writing to, and many Christ, early Christians in Rome were enslaved people. Paul does write to enslaved people in Rome. These were these people would have been part of the church, and so they're people that have witnessed the brutality of a government. And this is the these are the people that Paul writes chapter thirteen to. Um, he's not writing to middle class Americans, um, although by extension the church receives this letter and obeys it. But he's writing to people that wouldn't have any illusions about um, some sort of Christian emperor in any way, shape, or form, a Christian president or someone who represents them, even as Jewish uh, believers, Jewish Christians at this time. The, the Roman Empire is not at all interested in any of this. They are interested in more money for them and less problems from the people they conquer. conquer. And so this is what Paul says, though. He says you should be subject to these governing authorities, um, that you should do everything you can to live a peaceful life. You should... Um, you should respect them, give them honor um, when it's due. Uh, as long as they're not telling you to worship a false god, and like Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel and his three friends, um, you can go along with most of the things they say. You pay taxes. Um, you know, pay taxes. Jesus taught us this uh, in his ministry where he numerous times pays the temple tax and pays other taxes that would have trickled up to Rome eventually. Jesus included tax collectors in his groups of disciples. He spent time with tax collectors. These would have been uh, contractors for Rome, Jewish contractors who collected local taxes for Rome. So Paul and Jesus were under no illusions about the, the cruelty of government, the injustice of government. And yet they both said, as did other Christians at this time, live at peace with the government where God has called you as best you can. If I lived in another country, I would do the same as I do here. Try to be involved as you can. Try to advocate for justice, but give honor and pay taxes. These are the basics of Christian living wherever we find ourselves. Now, as Christianity um, changes the landscape of Europe and changes the landscape of the world even, now you have countries that are under the influence of Christianity um, starting Early as the early church starts to expand and expand further and further till we get to something called America, where the founders of America were by and large Christian people who set out to create some sort of Christian, uh, Christian ethos in America, as all the state religions of the time, as they overthrew the British government, were Christian governments. There's often clauses written into most state charters that you had to swear that you believed in God those sorts of things. Some even had membership in the Anglican Church. Um, and, and so when we get to America, it's really a little confusing for us because we read um, these verses that say, give honor to those whom honor is due. And we say, like, sometimes our leaders seem, the, uh, they seem more like Roman emperors than they seem like Christian leaders, like we would imagine. And so, again, the same is true. What Paul says is that this authority structure, whatever it is, democracy, monarchy, oligarchy, uh, plutocracy, whatever structure we live in, we as Christians try to do the same exact thing. Live at peace, pay your taxes, and advocate for what's right and what's true. 
um, the gifts of hospitality, all the things that Paul's urging these Christians to do are things that there's that are not illegal. It is not illegal to love poor people. It is not illegal to care for people. It is not illegal to show to show compassion for prisoners and visit them. It, these things are not illegal. Even in the Roman Empire, they were not illegal to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what Paul is saying. And he gets down to, he says, the bigger questions of life are not, you know, these larger political questions, although they are important and we, we need to engage with them as Christians. The bigger ones are the Ten Commandments, how we live together. The second half of the Ten Commandments are about how we relate to each other. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what we're supposed to be doing as we live in these last days that Paul describes in Romans and we describe in our Eucharistic prayer. In these last days, you have revealed yourself in Jesus Christ, your son. So we live honorably. We live in the daytime. We live as children of the day. We are people who are ambassadors from another world, from another kingdom, living in this one, doing our best to contribute to the society by advocating for justice, for freedom, for peace, for all, for love, compassion, and care, without any illusions that somehow this country or any country is somehow perfect or even some kind of weird church kind of thing that we would expect from our local church. Um, In in no way we are under any illusions, just as the Roman Christians weren't under any illusions on what could go wrong when injustice happens in a government. And yet we do the exact same thing they do. We learn how to love each other. We love our neighbor as ourself. And these are the ways we live, even in this corrupt society that we live in today. Because if you look at the Roman Empire, their expansionist program, you look at our empire, we have the same expansionist model of open markets. Instead of conquering armies, we want to open every market in the world to us so that we get richer and trade increases. These And so all of our political decisions as a country stem from this open market theory. It's a little better than conquering everybody, but it sort of often ends up in the same place. And so again, Christians are called to love your neighbors yourself, to advocate for justice, freedom, and peace, and to fulfill that law of love that Jesus set down for us. Amen. Amen.